Oxford from the inside. The good, the bad, but always the truth. Hey guys, welcome to Oxford from the inside. The good, the bad, but always the truth. Today we're joined with Alice and Frankie. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, sure. Um, hi, I'm Alice. I'm going to be a third year law student at Trinity College, which I am. Uh, hi, I'm Frankie. I'm going to be a second year PPE student also at Trinity College with Siam and Alice. Nice. Um, so today uh, we're going to be talking about um, what is um, the Oxford Union. Uh, so to start off, um, Frankie, um, what is the Oxford Union? Do you want to give us a rundown of the mission statement and the history? Uh, I believe actually Alice was going to talk about this first. Sorry. Go yes. On, yes, that is true. Oh, I messed that up, didn't I? Alice, did you, would, you, would you like to start? <laughs> oh, well, great. Oh, that's never happened before. Damn. First things for everything. All that, right. That's Alex. all right. That's all right. We'll go strong from here. You, all, uh, anyways, Alice, would you like to... What is Oxford Union? Right, okay. Um, the Oxford Union is the largest and most prestigious student society in the world. It was once described by Harold Macmillan as the last bastion of free speech in the Western world. We're founded in 1923. We have hosted the likes of U.S. presidents Reagan, Nixon, Carter, um, Secretary John Kerry, President Stephen Hawking, Mother Teresa, and Sir Elton John, to name but a few. Damn. Um, <laughs> so was that like the summary on like the website? That is something like that. Something like that. Um, so to you guys, um, what has been the uh, the Oxford Union uh, for you and like for current students now. Uh, Frankie, if you want to start. Good shot. Um, so for me, it's been a chance to get involved with some amazing events. Um, they host some fantastic speakers. When I was in Michaelmas, and I remember vividly, is they hosted Richard Thaler. Um, and as a, as a good PPE student, Richard Thaler was a, a little hero of mine uh, when I wrote my personal statement when I applied to Oxford. So it was great to go along and listen to him talk. It was just a, a great experience and it really showed like when done right, the union can host some amazing people, um, give some amazing talks, have some amazing debates. Um, the no confidence debate at the start of Michael term is always a great one, especially if you're a politics lover like I am. Um, that's always really fun. Uh, the motion being this house has no confidence in Her Majesty's government. Um, it's always held at the beginning of every Michael term. Um, it's also been a chance for me to make some meet some great people and make some amazing friends, some friends that I continue to carry through Oxford and hopefully will carry through the rest of my life. Um, everyone there is really friendly. Um, and it's a great thing to get involved with, um, either just as going to events or, or in, a, in, a, in a greater fashion. Nice. Um, and Alice, what about for you? How's, what have you taken from the Oxford Union? Um, so I first started getting involved in the Union in the very beginning of my first term. Um, and I didn't know that much about it in the first place, but I just knew that we hosted a lot of interesting speakers and interesting debates and coming from the US it wasn't something that we had in my high school and I was like this is a great opportunity after this great platform let's just see what it's like and I just remember we had speakers like Alexa Chung we also had um really interesting people like Stormy Daniels come speak and I just thought I really enjoyed the talks so I decided to join. Nice um yeah no I've I've gone I've always gone to a few of the debates and the talks um I think the debates are I know I've always been a fan of like the idea of like the Greek and Roman times and the big debates and talking and how yeah like people would like gather together to watch one speaker and it did have that kind of 
uh, like nostalgic feel to it for sure. Um, so, I mean, the union's quite a big, quite a big society, if you can call it society. Um, what are all, like, can we get like, go for a rundown of all the things that you can do if you're a member, a part of the Oxford Union? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, of course. So, um, uh, you, so if you're a member of the Oxford Union, you can use the bar and the library. So the union has its own library, but it has two libraries. Uh, one is a more social one where you sort of sit and it's not strict silence. And the other one is a more of a traditional strict Oxford library. Um, but they're both very pretty, both definitely worth going to work in. It's nice to have that space. Um, there's a bar that serves drinks, obviously, coffees, cakes. Um, there's a discount for members. You can also use it if you're a non-member, but you have to go with a member. Um, and that's a really great place to go in Oxford. They also serve um, special debate cocktails at the end of every debate. Uh, and those are always at least interesting, not necessarily always delicious, but they are always interesting. Um, you can also attend, obviously, speakers, speaker events and debates. There are like five to seven a week um, during term time. They're always coming on. There's everything from sports, sports stars to actors to um, like obviously high profile politicians. Uh, everyone comes along. So, you know, there's always something for you, regardless of whether you're a politics nerd like me or you, you'd like something else. Um, there's also a chance to ballot to go to the meet and greet, which is where you get to spend a half an hour, sort of a group of 12 of you with the speaker that you balloted to go and see, um, which is also obviously a, uh, can be a great opportunity to meet someone who you consider the hero. Um, there's also competitive debating to get involved in, if that's what you like. Oxford Union is the centre of competitive debating at Oxford. There are tryouts at the beginning of every term. There's also beginners debating on a Sunday where anyone can go along regardless of skill level. I myself have been, as I think Simon has at least once, and they don't regard, they don't, you don't need any previous skill level, otherwise I would have been kicked out a long time ago. Um, so it was, it was good, it's good to have that opportunity as well. Um, Alice, have I missed anything? Um, should I talk about governance and the structure? Oh, uh, of course. Should I talk about that, Simon? Sam, can't really hear you at the moment. Yeah, you've kind of... Sorry about that, we've had a few uh, technical difficulties. Um, so as I was saying, um, Am I right in saying that a group of members can uh, visit one of the speakers and talk to them? Is that what you said, Frankie? Uh, yeah, so uh, each speaker, not debate speakers, but individual speakers, there's a thing called a, a meet and greet where members ballot from places. And if you get a place, then there's a little sort of quite intimate 12 person gathering, uh, 12 to 20 person gathering in an upstairs room where you just get to meet and chat with them. So when, in my term, I've seen Jerome Flynn, who is, um, he played Bron in Game of Thrones. Um, we did a little meet and greet with him. Um, which was fun. Whoa, I, I didn't, I did not know that. I need to be on this ballot. Damn, that's <laughs> actually, that's so cool. Um, it's not very well known. It's not very well known. But yeah, yeah. yeah on the, the page for each event, I think you have in the description box, there is a little link to the form where you can fill out to ballot, you know, just in case. Yeah. Oh, okay, exactly. And, and where can you find that? Where is that? Uh, so, on Facebook or? Yeah, it's on Facebook. So the Oxford Union has a page and it posts all the events and on each event in the description box, there's the link to ballot. Nice. Damn. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's useful information for me at least and probably definitely for all future members. Um, <laughs> and yeah, there is, uh, yeah, the, I think, so, yeah, the debating and the speaking, I guess like in the terms of the history, the union starts off as a debating society. Uh, is that right? Yeah, so it was founded, I believe it was founded among others by Gladstone, um, the famous Liverpool minister. Uh, and minister um, as a way for students to debate. I think it was at the time religious issues because the university was refusing to host a debate about um, Catholic emancipation, but I, I could be wrong. I don't know my history that well, um, but it's always been a debating society. That's why the, the chamber, the debating chamber that we talk about 
is the most prominent part of the Soviet Union is why it's what it's remembered for um, is because that's what's so impressive about it and that's where its roots are. Yeah, and a point to note is that we are not technically affiliated with Oxford University because of this point, because we emphasize free speech and to be able to discuss whatever the members and students want to discuss. So, so just adding on to this idea about uh, free speech, so I know that there's um, in the past been some controversy of some of the speakers that the union have invited to. So do you know roughly where like the union stands with it when it's deciding what speakers that should be allowed to come and speak? Go on. Well, I would say there isn't exactly a codified or formal process in terms of screening which speaker is appropriate because it's very much at the discretion of the committee members um, and it's decided during um, the vacation when committee members work on sending out invites but obviously I think people like the president, librarian, like they have the last say on who gets invited and whether it's appropriate but still it's very much at people's discretion. Right Frankie? Yeah there are some hard fast rules which you would expect like no ex-criminals those aren't so people who've, who've been who've been convicted aren't allowed to become the union no one who's got pending allegations against them um which you know obviously is a good thing but obviously we'd also hope for some slightly stricter standards but alice is right it typically comes down to the president so like they've had some controversial speakers like steve bannon came and that was a very controversial speaker mm -hmm. in which people thought oh you know is this appropriate to be platforming someone like this um but that's more of a debate rather than like a hard and fast rule about the union which varies from term to term and from committee to committee um, speaking of committee, we should probably go through the the like structure of the union so people understand a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I would you either of you like to walk us through of how the union structured for sure. I'm I'm, I'm happy to. That's yeah, yeah, right. go go for it, thank you. Yeah. Sure. So uh, so it's sort of a hierarchy system. So at the top of the hierarchy, you have the president of the Oxford Union. President makes all the formal decisions. The to quote Jimmy Carter, the buck stops with him. Um, not Jimmy Carter, a US president, the buck stops with him. No one gets all hurt. No one gets, they get the final say on everything. They invite the speakers, they set the mission statement, they lead the debates, or chair the debates, I suppose you'd probably call it. Um, either side of the president, you've got the treasurer in charge of the union's finances. It's an elected position, as is the president, um, sat by a student. They serve, each of them serves one term. You've also got the librarian, or what you might refer to as a vice president, so someone who serves uh, in the capacity is just aiding the president and running the union. They offer, they like host smaller interviews with speakers. So if there's a, like a less well-known speaker, the librarian might do it. Um, and they also technically manage the library. I mean, you've also got the secretary uh, who minutes all the debates and the meetings of all the committees um, and is also considered an officer and again is elected for one term. Below them, you've got the standing committee, um, which is a group of seven people plus the officers um, and some like adult members of staff um, who help run the union. Um, and they are the governing body. So they make, they pass all the rules changes, they make decisions, they discuss controversies, etc. Again, they're elected for a term, it's mainly comprised of students, um, both the elected members of the standing committee and the officers. And then below them, you have a plethora of other committees. So you have the access committee, which is a combination of people appointed to make sure the union maintains its commitment to access and is remains friendly and accessible to all groups. Um, you've also got the secretaries committee, which is the only elected committee at this level. Um, and that committee basically is responsible for the day-to-day -day running of the union. Um, so they work events, they like you know, set, 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 set up stages, they move chairs, 
they you know bring speakers they, they bring speakers from the translation to the union they just make sure everything runs smoothly basically and that's also an elected position again elected for one term entirely comprised of students um you've also got some other people dotted around so you've got what's called the chair of consultative committee um which their job is to oversee the secretary's committee they run the union events they make sure everything goes smoothly you've got people like the chief of staff again all student positions but these are appointed um and they Basically, they do what the president asks them to do. So they help run things. They make sure everything goes smoothly. Again, you're seeing a theme here, right? Um, again, the union basically operates as the president wants it to. Um, the president sets, invites speakers. The president um, sets the debates, et cetera, et cetera. Committee gets input, but a lot of it is down to the president, which is why the role is so well-known and well-regarded. Yeah, usually um, someone who gets elected president has to serve one term as president-elect to learn the ropes. And then when they actually serve as president typically they will rusticate because it is essentially a full-time job and exactly. yeah and and rusticating means if anyone doesn't know is when someone to rusticate means you take a year out of uni so say if i'm in the in the middle of my second year and for whatever reason i want to rusticate whether it's being president of the union or something else i'll take a year out well college has to approve and if they approve i take a year out and then come back the next year just as I just where I left off, and as you said, uh, I think all presidents, all presidents of the union, rusticate and they become president. Um, because it's, it's, it's not, it's actually become a more modern convention. It wasn't so when, like, when Macmillan, as you were talking about earlier, when he was president, he didn't have to do it, and when he was Oxford Union president, he didn't have to do it either. Um, but in more modern times, the job has become a lot more where it's become a lot there's just a lot more work associated with it. You, you're more yeah. responsible for the running of the union. There's a lot more to do. And so rustication is viewed as a necessary thing because you wouldn't want to jeopardize your studies in the way that putting so much time into the union would, would lead to, so. Yeah, and our budget has grown quite a lot and the ways in which we host people, et cetera, it's a lot more of a full package exactly. than just, you know, when it was before. Yeah, it's not a debate. It's not just a debate every Thursday where some students come along and argue with each other. There's a lot more to it now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So it was just one thing I was a little bit confused with. So I, I think I have a rough understanding of like what the president, treasurer, secretary and librarian do. But between what do, like in a day-to-day -day day -day role, if you were part of the standard committee and the other Sexist committees, sectors committee and the other committees and roles beneath top the top people, the president and the librarian secretary, what do you actually do? Well, so to start from the very bottom, if you are um, a secretary's committee or a variety of other um, appointed committee people such as access or logistics, for example, um, I say the bulk of your work will just be um, very physical, like you're lifting chairs, stacking chairs, setting up for events, I don't know, getting drinks, etc. Or yeah, being a waiter essentially during socials um it is a good learning experience and you do get to meet a lot of members and it's quite interesting but if you're a standing committee i think your shifts will be like not so serious you'll we have once a week a standing committee meeting lasts about an hour to discuss like any order changes and bigger logistical issues around the union frank you do you want to add anything uh, yeah so also if you're a standing committee member you also have to chair the emergency debate which is the debate held before the main debates on thursdays um but yeah alice is right so as, as a member of secretary's committee your job is just to do things that make the union run so just to mm -hmm. set, set up events carry mics you know walk speakers around etc and and you do get to meet loads of speakers and you do get to have a good time it's not as miserable as it sounds i promise it is, it is a lot of fun um and then standing committee yeah governing body you have a meeting 
um, you also have to chair uh, emergency debates. Interesting. Well, um, so in terms of because you you both of you have a lot of experience with these committees, um, what would you say the advantages are of being uh, getting involved in the union and uh, the Secretary's Committee and Standing Committee? Uh, starting with you, Frankie. Uh, um, like, I think the primary the primary advantage is meeting all these speakers that you get such an access to that you wouldn't necessarily get normally. Um, especially in debates when if you're a sec if you're on secretary's committee that means you work the debate so you have to like set everything up and you have to make attend to the speakers and make sure they're okay um, and just getting to have such like this intimate experience with them and talk to them and spend quite a lot of time with them is, is really interesting and it's one of the best things about it you also meet I know it sounds cheesy and corny but you meet loads of great people um, who are all really fun and and you make loads of some really good friends and you have this sort of bond over the union um, which is really nice it's a great way to meet people but it's just more than anything it's just fun it's fun to see the inner workings of this institution that has gone on for so long and has this such this reputation that precedes it so greatly um and that's why it's so interesting to me yeah yeah i agree with what frankie has said but also i think uh, uh, most of our like events are posted on youtube as well and you can watch them and before i remember watching i think they had an interview with the Cats of Game of Thrones and they had some really interesting debates and i remember thinking i love that i love watching this and when you actually get involved on committee and get elected during the back days you get to put forth like proposals of like what debate motions you want which speakers you want to invite and actually working on it even as a like setting up chairs and seeing something that you create in your mind like come to fruition is like very rewarding i think especially if it's a topic and it should be really passionate about personally no yeah alice is alice is so right being on committee during the vacation which is something i completely forgot and getting to have that input with the wedding union and in the events is really really fun Wow, yeah. Is that, it sounds all really, like, really fulfilling. Um, is there any uh, room for, like, gaining experience for, like, uh, your CV or, like, future jobs? Like, do you do anything that would be useful in terms of, uh, yeah, future jobs, as you guys say? Yeah, um, definitely. I'd say, um, I think in general, if you're a Saki, in terms of what is gained through CV, it's like, you know, like event planning for sure, logistics and just time management. Also a lot of people's skills because you do have to interact with all kinds of different people, be professional and be there for them. In terms of standing committee and onwards, I think you gain even more experience in terms, for example, like managing quite a large budget and you know, managing people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think there's surely there's a lot more, but it depends on like what your mindset is going in and what you want to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with what Alice was saying. It's, I think it's more about the soft skills. And in that way, it's similar to a lot of Oxford University societies in the sense that you just develop <clears throat> great people skills. Um, you have this confidence to talk to people that, and like, it's a great, it's a really easy way to develop that because you are forced to interact with so many people all the time. Um, and then obviously managing events and, and being a part of so, such a large institution is a great thing as well. Working in the team is a really essential part of it. So all of those things look really good in the CV. So. Yeah, I mean, there's not many roles where you can get like such a vast amount, vast amount of experience in uh, social skills and uh, event planning, um, like taking minutes if you're the secretary. Um, I think, yeah, especially event planning is quite a hard, hard job to get into afterwards, and there's not much. It's hard to get experience beforehand. Um, so yeah, it sounds even from the second, like secretary's committee, at the start, sounds very, very useful and rewarding as well. Talking to speakers directly from the bottom up um, for sure um 
so that's a lot about uh, the governance um in terms of the social side because i've heard that there's balls that the union host um and quite like debating competitions do you guys want to give us a rundown of um what things the union offer in terms of like a social side uh frank if you want to go first yeah sure <clears throat> so the union runs a ball every time um during coronavirus maybe maybe less so i'm not sure what the <laughs> are going to be but normally the union runs a ball every term um it's black tie it's a really great opportunity i went during michaelmas which was my first time in oxford and it was a fantastic experience it's an amazing time um normally it's this great spectacle um tickets aren't they are expensive but they aren't as expensive as a regular oxford ball mm, um yeah true Uh, sorry, we lost you there for a second, Frankie. Uh, if you want to sorry. carry on from what you were saying. Yeah, of course. Um, so there's balls, and then the union also runs some socials. And there have been a variety of different socials that are themed after different um, sort of times in the year. I think there's a Halloween one or a Valentine's one every now and then. Um, but it, it really depends like whether or not they've been organised and whether or not people, they think the union committee thinks people will go to them. But there's always a ball, and there are occasional socials. And then there's also the competitive debating side, the chance to try out and then compete for Oxford University in different debating competitions, and possibly even to help run debating competitions for other students, uh, for other students at other universities or for um, sixth form students. Um, so all in all, it's just a great opportunity to get involved with other stuff too. Um, Alice, did I, did I miss anything, do you think? Anything you want to add? No, I think that was quite good. Yeah, I got it. I think, I think for me, uh, I really find the beginners debating quite exciting. Uh, and I'm really using it as, um, a way to improve my public speaking and I think anyone definitely can and not just like public speaking but public speaking and also trying to produce sound arguments like the whole time it's just a very good exercise and like if, and being, if I was able to uh, articulate that skill it's very far from uh, yeah, far from the skill at the moment but if I was able to like build on that skill it's a very useful tool to have in the future and I, I think it's great that the union provides this service um like beginners debating for anyone who has had uh no debating and my yeah my experience is that they walked us through everything about British parliamentary debating and how the structure works and what we expected and like and we didn't even have to participate the first time we could just watch um so yeah anyone watching they think that debating might be something they want to give a give a try they definitely definitely should try that out um, yeah absolutely yeah um yeah i think it, recently, the union has done a lot more work in terms of hosting debating workshops to make debating more accessible. Um, for example, I think we have um, women's debating workshops and socials for that, and I think they were proposing to have workshops and socials for um, ESL speakers as well, and I think I would just encourage everybody to come. I think especially like BP is quite, can be quite daunting for someone who's not from the UK who, who didn't go to schools at all for the kind of training, but it's like worthwhile to come and just see what it's about. Yeah. I've heard that uh, the union does like access stuff. Is that true or have I misheard that? Yeah, we do um, have a lot of initiatives for access. Mm -hmm. um, for example, um, we have an access committee and they're run on like appointed people by the president. And there is um international officer that um, is about outreach for internationals to join the union. There's, um, oh, Frankie, help me out here. Who are the access members? Uh, so there's um, a black and minority ethnic groups officer. There's 
a social class officer. That's not what they're called, but that's that's the role mm. they fulfill. Yeah. Making unions accessible for those from oh, socioeconomic officer. That's what they're called. Sorry. Um, there's. I'm definitely forgetting other officers, but yes, there was an access committee. Are, oh, there's there's a junior and senior access officer as well. Um, yeah, exactly. And they're also. So there's access membership, um, and obviously the union at the moment is going through a period of reflection about its policy towards access mm. and disadvantaged groups in society. And although there is so much more work that needs to be done, the union is currently working on improving itself and bettering itself mm. in the future, which is, you know, it's good that it's definitely thinking about why, how it can improve and what can be made better about it. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And I think the most important thing is because each committee and most people serve for only one term, it's really important to not have a very short like institutional memory and to have to carry on initiatives from before and to make sure that like substantive change can be made throughout like years afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there are a lot of similar messages for um, access and outreach that um, Oxford is facing as well in terms of the fact that it's um, very much trying its absolute best and making improvement but still lots lots of room to be uh, lots of room for improvement as well um so is the role of the officers to increase diversity in the union governance basically well the access officers or yeah the access officers yeah yeah sorry um so the access officers have a, quite a very a broad remit to discuss anything that they think is relevant to access policy in the union it's both to do with diversity it's to do with making sure the union remains an accessible place um, mm. For a variety of different people from different backgrounds and from different in different situations, it's not any one thing. Certainly, you could interpret that one of their roles would be to encourage a diversity from, mm. with committee and with speakers and making sure that everyone feels represented, represented, which is so important. But they have a lot of other things they should that they can tackle as well if they want to. Things like you know, um, making sure that different groups feel like they can easily access the union. The union is an exclusive that they don't feel that any particular group is being that can't, feels like they can't participate properly within the Oxford Union because the Union should be a place that everyone can get involved in regardless of background. Nice. Yeah, well, that's me. That sounds like a very rewarding role um, uh, for, um, for people to get involved in um, if they weren't as interested in the other sides of the Union. Uh, there's lots of, uh, lots of uh, room to do good as an access, uh, access officer. Um, so coming towards the end now, uh, I wanted to ask you both, um, are there any events or anecdotes that you have of things that you've enjoyed um, from being a part of the union? Uh, it'll go with Alice first. Um, let, let me see. Um, or Frankie has uh, one on mine. Either way. I, mean, I have one. Yeah. Go on, next one. Like my favorite event, I think, in first year was definitely when the union hosted Stormy Daniels. I think it was just, just quite funny and I just enjoyed just like listening to her. But Frankie, go ahead. Um, so, so when I was on committee, uh, Mick Mulvaney, Warehouse Acting Chief of Staff, came to the union, um, and like a sort of not like a surprise visit, but in a visit that wasn't wasn't known about much in advance because he just sort of was in the was in Ireland and was like, right, I'm, I'm passing by London and Oxford, I can come. And I was like, right, okay. And it wasn't recorded because um, we didn't want any cameras on, but he was like, he just came to give a speech, um, and I, I, I was open to all members and everything. Um, but it was just really fun. It was a really interesting experience. It was really cool. That was one thing that sticks out most to me. Yeah. I do have a, an anecdote, actually. Um, I do remember, I think, I can't remember which country, but I think we had a prime minister um, come speak. And I believe that there was some kind of miscommunication between committee and his team as to his motive. 
because he always said that he would be flying over. And then we were notified at the very last minute that he was in helicopter, not a plane. And he asked where to land. And I think in the end, he had to land in Uni Park. So that was quite, quite a fun experience. That's fantastic. I did not know that. <laughs> that, is, that is amazing. Just, just landing in a helicopter in Uni Parks. I mean, imagine if you want to run, just with like headphones, you can't hear the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> you look up and they're sort of like the helicopter's descending like what what's going on here they're like they're waiting for you to move and just, <laughs> you're in the way <laughs> it's like when you're running on the road like crossing the road and actually there's a car and you're like oh no <laughs> so it actually is a helicopter so yeah exactly um wow so i think we've covered everything but uh, oh yes the the cost um do you guys want to give us a rundown of the cost and i know that there's a uh the access uh officers have like so there's a there's a reduced cost uh, for certain um, certain situations as well. So yes, if someone wants to give us a rundown of that, um, Alice. The I believe so. When you sign up, you pay um, an upfront fee. Frankie, is it one eighty? How much is it? It's two fifty. Oh, it's grown. It's two fifty now. Um, I think I think I I can't remember exactly. It's 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 not a small amount of money. It's it's an upfront free of a, a reasonable of quite a lot of money. <laughs> yes, but you it's lifetime membership, and if you sign up during um, Freshers Week, I think there's a discount. And then yes, there is. Are, yeah, you are asked to put in your information like banking, etc. Because there is a charge every year, but that's quite small. I think that's under ten pounds. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so it's nine pounds a year, um, so that Union can fund its town cards. Yeah. Yes, and but it's lifetime membership. You can come by at any time, even if you graduated to use the premises or go to the events. Yeah, um, exactly. The union is always open to its lifetime members. In fact, there are regularly lifetime members in the bar or using yeah. the sneaker room, which I forgot to mention earlier that Alice pointed out. But there's a sneaker room too. Um, and coming to see coming to see speaker events, even lifetime members can come and see speakers still if someone on that you're particularly interested in. Um, yeah, the because that's why the union is set. One of the reasons that it's good the union is separated from the universities because you don't have to be at the university to be a member of the union. It's not a mm -hmm. traditional student society. You can come back and use facilities even if you're not at the university. But I imagine to join the union, you have to be a part of the university. Not nice. necessarily, no. no. Oh, really? there, you can go yeah, there to are, Brooks and you can still be a member here. We haven't. But that, but that isn't for life. That's only for your time at Brooks. It doesn't count. That's not <laughs> life membership. That's the difference, yeah. So I think to get life membership, you have to be, it's really weird rule. You either have to be at the university or the spouse of somebody who's at the university. Oh, okay. So if you're married to someone who's a member of the union, you can get membership of the Oxford Union as well, I think. Oh, okay. I guess that's, that does make sense in a sort of way, maybe. In a, yeah, also, it's a bit odd. It's, there are loads of these sort of weird, weird sort of traditions. Oh, I'm on membership. There's also access membership for students from more disadvantaged backgrounds. So I know Crank Scott scholars automatically qualify for access membership. Um, I think it also applies to those on the full maintenance loan, and that comes with a, a, a hefty sort of su like subsidy on the upfront membership cost price. Yeah, it is a yeah, the membership's much cheaper if you're if you as you said if you're um, if you uh, have access to the full maintenance loan, depending on your uh, household income when it's means tested. Yeah, the union membership's much cheaper. Um, I think I think we're coming to an end as uh, Zoom is about to kick us off. Um, but uh, thanks guys for uh, an amazing talk um, it was very interesting I know a lot um, I, did, I didn't know yeah I didn't know much about the union and I feel like I feel like I know a bit more now so and I hope a lot of um, I'm sure a lot of prospective students listening to this um, will find it very useful and thanks for the viewers for listening in whether it's on the uh, podcast or YouTube or IGTV 
Um, and yeah, thanks, Alice. Thanks, Frankie. And um, we'll see you guys next time. Bye.